So I wanted to kick off this show with a friendly reminder to all of you sex work patrons out there uh, to take care of your sex workers who are taking care of you. What am I talking about, you ask? How can I do that, you ask? Well, for today, I'm just going to go in on you boys who like to hit up the bars. And I'm going to give you the heads up. This is about to be a rant, and it is inspired by events that I participated in last weekend. Tip your go-go. If I was about to release a debut album, the name of my first single would be Tip Your Go-Go. Tip your go-go, tip your go-go, tip your motherfucking (sighs) go-go. Listen, if you go to a bar, and especially if you go to a bar with no cover, and they have a go-go boy or boys present for your viewing pleasure, give them a dollar. And if they are up on that shadow box and they are really twerking for a Birkin, spice up your life and give them two. If you feel the need to drill a hole through them, with your eyeballs, of course, by all means, they are there for you to fawn over, but give them a dollar. If perchance you would like to take it a step further and actually touch said go-go, never, and I mean never, touch them if you don't have money in your hand. We have all heard the phrase, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. So one would think that this is something that doesn't need to be said, but trust, it really needs to be said. For those of you who don't know, which is probably most people because how could you, go-go's get a base pay. And unless they're dancing at some massive circuit party, it's usually not that much. They work for tips. And sure, you don't ask them to be there. The host, the promoter, the manager just found the kindness deep down in their hearts to provide you with a greased up, scantily clad boy to shake his junk in your face usually for several hours. How dare they? Every now and then you break off a dollar to the person who makes your coffee. The person who's performing on the subway platform. If you're feeling generous, you might even break off a dollar for one of the boys on the MTA who screams, it's showtime. If everyone who walked through the bar broke off one dollar to the go-go who is shaking his dick and ass in your face to songs he probably doesn't even like, it would be a great night. Now I know what some of you're thinking, but I'm too shy, and that's valid. I know how I can feel like a spotlight is on you, and Britney Spears is playing in the background, and all of a sudden you catch the Holy Ghost and think, okay, I'ma do this. And you step in front of that go-go boy, and he squats down in front of you in slow motion, legs wide open, looking like Lil' Kim's first album cover. Is he gonna wanna make small talk with me? Oh my God, what am I gonna say? Everyone is looking at me with a dick in my face. Where should I put the dollar? What if I accidentally give him a paper cut on his foreskin? Is he uncut? Oh my God, I hope he's uncut. If you are that person, you have two options. One, run that dollar to your homegirl who don't give a fuck so they can go give him a tip. Or two, realize that it is 2019. And we live in the Twilight Zone Black Mirror era where Donald J. Trump is our president. Mike Pence is our vice president. There are still 73 countries where it is illegal to be an out and proud card carrying faggot like myself. And God only knows what rights and protections we might have rolled back on us tomorrow. So fold up that dollar and say it loud. I like this dick and I'm proud. 
Hashtag tip your go-go. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tomic 2.0 and you are listening to Sex Work. On today's episode, we have the multi-talented, gentle giant, Brian Knight, here to talk about his journey through his career in porn and how he has integrated that into his comic book series, Velvet Collar. Welcome, Brian. How are you? I'm good, Tomic. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. Thank you um, for being here for my second episode. I'm very appreciative of you making the track. You came, you came a long way. I mean, I guess it didn't seem that long on the train, but where'd you come from? I have a place in the Upper East Side. Yeah. It sounds a lot fancier than it is, but <laughs> I happen to get one of the last rent-stabilized apartments in New York. Oh, awesome. So I have the Park Avenue address with the uh, Chinatown building. <laughs> um, you're, I know several people like that. How do, you, how do you like Upper East Side, though? I love that there are no garbage trucks on my street, yeah. and the loudest it gets are the Sunday church bells or when the kids get out of school, so uh -huh. it's very civilized. Yeah. I love, I love being next to the museums. Okay. So I just went to the Met. There were a lot of great exhibits. I can go every day when I'm home. Word. Mm -hmm. um, and all the other museums. Do you have a um, New York Public Library card? I I don't, I haven't, I haven't used it in forever. I just realized that if you have a New York Public Library card, you get free access to online courses in a number of different studies. Yes, and you get free access to a lot of museums. I was not aware of that. <laughs> Most people are not. I know how to, I am a recessionista, maxinista, all the save money on that ass Easter. <laughs> I know all the uh, tips and tricks to do shit for free in this city, which, which really works out great when you have friends to come visit and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Brian, we met on the internet. Um not on the apps, not on the grid, like a lot of people would think. <laughs> um, you actually emailed me. And you asked me to be a participant or a character in your comic book series, Velvet Collar. Um, you want to tell us about that? Sure. Well, first I reached out to you because I loved the way you spoke and how you carried yourself. You were clearly intelligent and you're beautiful. Oh, you're Let's... sweet. <laughs> so I wanted to reach out to real professionals in the business who would be willing to be drawn in exchange for promotion and participating in an independent produced work talking about the unusual and rare voices from the business. And not every story that your character drawn is yours, mm -hmm. but the character will be carrying forward narratives in the story for entertainment purposes. So... Sometimes a character drawn from a real person is a composite of different experiences from one or two different professionals, and they get to act out those events. Um, each person who comes in, I love them giving their own individual spin. I could totally draw you as a talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so, awesome. Yes. Um, so what I really liked, or what I really like about the comic book series is that it is very... In a law and order esque fashion, it's very kind of like um, loosely based on real life events. So in 2015, Rent Boy, the advertising site, the longest running advertising site for male sex workers in the world, 
was raided and shut down. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, that was one of the first actions toward the censorship of sex and speech online Mm -hmm. that came afterwards. It really was one of the first kind of pivotal before Craigslist took their personals down and Tumblr did all their stuff like Facebook, Instagram, Apple, the list goes on, even Scruff. Yeah, really? Yeah, uh, just a few weeks ago, they banned all pictures of men in jockstraps and speedos. Wow. So Grindr right now is involved in a lawsuit, and depending on the outcome of that lawsuit, there may be further censorship of the apps. Wow. Damn, we can't even live out here. (laughs) (laughs) Tell Uh, me about it. Yeah. So um, how long have you been in the business? I've been in the business since 2008. Mm -hmm. I graduated from college and I spent two years looking for work Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find any. Mm -hmm. There was no work at the time. Yeah, horrible time to try to find a job. So my student loans were due and I was willing to try odd jobs. So I responded to an ad on Craigslist looking for a carpenter because my grandfather taught me basic carpentry and the job sounded easy. And I don't know how explicit we can get, but... <laughs> yeah, go for it. I mean, well, I end, well, I can't believe carpentry sounded easy. That is, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm allergic to manual labor anyway. So. <laughs> so I respond to this ad and appear on a Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. at a funeral home in the middle of nowhere in New York. It's, okay. it's the best start to a horror movie. Middle of nowhere in New York City? Middle of nowhere upstate New York. Okay. So oh, wow. we were really traveling for work. Um, Opportunities. Long story. (laughs) The guy who answered the door, I remembered who he was. Uh, He was an elderly gentleman wearing a pink bow tie, pressed white shirt, suspenders, light brown pants, light brown shoes. He was in charge of uh, interning the bodies and storing them for viewing. Yeah, this does sound like a horror movie or... (laughs) So I I asked where the work is, and he says, oh, somebody came by yesterday, and the work was finished. And I was mad because I'd driven all the way out there. So he gave me a ginger ale. And then he asked, wait, 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 would you be willing to give me a massage? So long story short and some clumsy negotiations later. Wait a minute. How did he, well, how did this, it it just came out like that? Would you be willing to give me? Yeah, yeah. Like there was nothing that he like looked up on you that said, gave any indication that you were a masseur? No. Nope, not at all. And you know, I just kind of rolled with it. It's like, fuck, I want the money. So let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I ended up fucking him on the embalming table between two bodies. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) That were getting prepared for a funeral later that day. Hold on. I am slain in the spirit right now. We need to (laughs) read. They were like exposed bodies. Yep. Okay. And. When you were taken to, this sounds like some weird Six Feet Under. They didn't even do shit like that on Six Feet Under, first of all. And, the, you know, the, the part about it that disturbed me the most, the thing that bothered me the most was the cold table he was on as it hit my thighs. That was the thing that bothered me the most. Like, the fact that there were two people next to us, like, sleeping, it's like, eh, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Didn't phase me at all. For those of you listening, I have my hand over my heart right now and I'm supposed to be interviewing him, but I am practically speechless. <laughs> I can see you palpitating from here. Uh okay. So it just escalated from massage so, to Yeah, yeah. and it just went kind of it's like I I want that 60 bucks. <laughs> Damn. Cuz I 
I, I did. There was no work and bills are due and no one else was offering work. And I tried and suddenly 60 bucks for doing something that didn't bother me. So, yeah. bam, I walked out and I was I was very proud. I was really, really proud. OK. And then after that, you were like, I can do this. Yeah, so I started doing less. I started doing massage, happy endings. Ninety-five percent mm-hmm. wanted a happy ending, but most actually wanted a real massage. Mm-hmm. Great. They also wanted safe male intimacy, right? In a non-sexual, non-penetrative, non-invasive way. Great. Mm-hmm. That worked for me. Mm-hmm. Then about three years later, my parents both lost their jobs. Uh, my brother couldn't go to school. They didn't have enough money for him. And the other one didn't have enough money to like do basic things. So, uh, I stepped it up. I started doing escorting, um, and other kinds of sex work full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a while it was good. For a while it was really good. Yeah. So yeah. I helped my family. I wonder if there's a st- statistic for how many people turned to sex work during that great horrible recession in that period of where you turned to it because i remember i was looking for a job too mm. you know I, this is when i tried to move to new york the first time in 2009 and i would look on craigslist for jobs you know, waiting tables or in a salon um and i would show up to these job calls and it would be a million people there and they'd be like oh we have six positions open or something like that and it's just like i can see how a lot of people would turn you know to sex work to get some coin because that's pretty you know depending on the type of clientele you have it could be kind of recession proof well it was yeah it was yeah now it's uh now it's a bit of a struggle mm-hmm. so um it's a larger i mean well uh, it's, <clears throat> it's interesting now and this is something that um you kind of touch on in the new comic, the second, the second one is a, yeah. <laughs> is a, how you know the censorship and how that affects sex workers and advertising and all that kind of thing and how you can really lose clients and lose money. It was tough to balance because there was a lot of ground to cover, a lot to catch up on, um, but censorship is happening and it's. Um, how do I put it? How do you describe just this sudden and feeling like invisible wall that goes up between you and everyone you're supposed to see or how much harder it is to be seen and heard mm-hmm. or the or the just a general increased anxiety? You can't put your finger on it, but it just rises incrementally like a thermostat. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're suddenly in the middle of it and then you're not sure what the future is. Mm-hmm. And and never mind just for my work, never mind for making money. I mean, what's happening for everybody else? I mean, um, censorship scares me. I love being able to talk about things openly and freely. Mm -hmm. And suddenly to have America where we believe like land of the free is suddenly coming down on that. mm, That's fundamentally scary. It is. It is. I I, uh, recently got kicked off of my surf finder. Oh, my God, you were the, one of the last survivors. Uh, really? I went down in October 2016. I thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. I had like 100 reviews. I was one of the best in the world. Oh, and fuck. suddenly it was like I had never existed. That was such a horrible feeling to just yes. have my entire existence completely erased with the push of a button. Do you know, do you know why they um, 
deleted your profile or did they give you a reason? They purged hundreds of people. Yeah. Did, do you remember the message that they sent you? Mm-mm. No. Um, so essentially the real reason is they want to protect themselves from liability. Absolutely. And they, um, they want to survive. They're mm-hmm. just a business. They don't care about the individual. They just want to make money. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. So new sites pop up or will pop up. New venues will pop up. Mm-hmm. And assuming the forces of uh, capitalist competition work, um, work normally, then uh, new places will pop up eventually. It's just causing a lot of problems now. Yeah, it's um, you know, for me, I had always had the the top tier membership, which is expensive as fuck. But so worth it, right? Very worth it. Actually, my surf finder was my biggest source of income as yeah. far as yeah. profiles go. Yeah. Um, and it was it was about it's about three hundred dollars a month, and I paid that for two years. And then one day I got a message that said uh, your profile is too short. So I was like, okay. So I tried to uh, lengthen it. And then I hit save, and I said, well, now your profile is too long. So I shortened it. I didn't know they did and that now. Yes. And then I tried, I hit save, and I said, it's too short again. So I'm like, fuck, again. I go back in, I edit it, and when I hit save that time, it said, your profile has been revoked permanently. Um, we will be sending you the money for the remaining days that you have left. Please do not try to sign up on our website ever again. And they have no way of getting in contact with them. And I was just like, you have uh, got to be shitting me. I was mad at first. Yeah. And then I realized it's better to spend your energy using um, using what you have and building something new. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It definitely made me mad, though. Oh, my God, did it make me mad. Mm-hmm. It made me seething mad. And I wanted to find the owner and punch him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least can I email you and be like, hey. <laughs> There's no accountability there. They no. they own the playground. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for the viewers who don't know, um, issue one of Velvet Collar came out about a year ago. We had some delays. I had health problems. The main artist on the series had to leave suddenly due to a personal emergency. We wish him well. It took some time to find a new artist to come and finish the work, specifically the rest of the inking and the coloring. And now... Because of the success of the first one, and hopefully the second one, uh, we'll be able to have more artists from around the world um, in the wings to share the burden, so to speak. Because, yeah. Tell, uh, us, tell us about that success of the first one, actually. Cause well, we I did was it. really surprised to see how amazingly well your Kickstarter did. Yeah. Um, I was very pleased. I talked to everyone. I let everyone know the Kickstarter was happening. It involved a lot of people. It involved a lot of their friends, people they supported. So all the pieces were there. Great art, original storytelling, memorable writing, and real people that you could talk to Mm -hmm. and also enjoy and interact with. Uh, I believe part of my success in comics and creative work is going to be reaching out to real people and having them interact and having the community community directly participate. Mm -hmm. So which is why, in part, I wanted to ask real people to Come in. Yeah. Because you could show your friends, like, hey, I'm doing this. It's a cool role. Right. It's like the closest thing to acting without having to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we hope the second one will be successful. It occurred to me, I was writing the Kickstarter write-up, and I started to write, well, according to the federal law that's now in place, it is possible that the Kickstarter you are reading will be banned and deleted And I will be prohibited from using this site ever again because this Kickstarter, even though it's a fictional entertainment 
comic book piece about sex work, someone could claim to sue them saying that by having this Kickstarter on their site that they are promoting prostitution and threaten a federal lawsuit. Wow. And that's that's it. When, okay, because this sounds like, I feel like the first episode was before, like Sesta Fosta and all of that, and they still were writing you like that? No, the first one was fine. It went through. I kept it. I kept the language. Okay, it was the second one where they said this. No, they haven't said it yet. Okay. I just realized as I'm preparing, I'm preparing the Kickstarter right now. Mm-hmm. I hope to launch within a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting all my pieces lined up. But I realized that they might do that. Yeah. There's a very real possibility they might do that. Yeah. Like even it occurred to me at some point if I got big enough, Facebook might ban me for having the comic. Instagram might do it. Yeah. Because of the very nature of the topic. Yeah. Instagram allows um, like sexual art and stuff like that. Mm, they are, they're very um, unreliable. Like you cannot claim that they are an open place, especially for GLBT art. Yeah, you cannot claim that. Huh. Um, I know artists who've been who do gay art or gay themes, and they get banned. They get deleted multiple yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, the most famous is the photographer Stokes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just knocked off Instagram and Facebook. Mm, I feel like I saw a write-up about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and him, he's big enough to survive, but what about all the smart, smaller artists? Yeah. And what about all the people? I get people from all over the world writing to me like, hey, thank you for doing what you're doing and talking about this because I'm in the middle of Kansas. I'm in the middle of India. I'm in the middle of China. I can't talk about these things. And seeing you and others like you open about these things gives me something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually true. That Now that you mentioned that, I remember that I have a friend who's an artist and sometimes I do like the drink and draws, like where I do the nude modeling and have all these different artists. I do it at Leslie Lohman, which is like the artists there are amazing. And there's this one guy, he had like 120,000 followers and all he posted was his like erotic gay art. And he said within like three weeks, he felt like it was somebody who was like mad at him or something, just kept reporting and reporting. He said he, said he had the most reports in like a couple week period than he ever had in his whole and uh, he got deleted. And I remember looking for him and being like, oh, my God, where did he go? I, I'm, was this Anthony Gonzalez? Yes. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's just like I wanted to pour one out for him. I, next time I saw him, I gave him a hug. Like, you know, it sucks. I had an Instagram deleted with, like, practically no followers, and I was mad about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no followers compared to 120,000, you know, like, it's just... Uh, I have been saving all my contacts, emails, just in backups, just in case, just in case. It's just an extra preparation. So in issue one, it's based on actual events Mm -hmm. told from the perspective of five sex workers from a diverse background. Mm -hmm. They each are, are archetypes representing a wide range of experiences coming together to become the next cover models, ironically, on the day that the advertising agency is shut down. Right. So it leaves their futures in question. Come forward to issue two, the characters come back together, and they're called back for a mysterious reason. And they share about their lives and about how they have moved forward both as normal people and as professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, issue two is exciting. Yeah. Issue one is great, but the trajectory that you have taken on issue two is completely different than um the first issue and i feel like it's like you know 
you turn these um, sex working protagonists into, you know, Charlie's Angels. Pretty close. Um, <laughs> because well, I can I can reveal. Um, it does pivot into a spy adventure. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, why was the Fed interested in Red Boy in the first place? And I used that question to imagine um, what would happen. Um, in actuality, the conversations that happen between sex workers are completely unbelievable. Like the celebrities they sleep with, mm-hmm. the crazy situations they get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, just they're unbelievable. I couldn't have stacks of them. So... So uh, at first I had to decide, all right, am I going to stick with like more real stuff? Uh, You can't see me. I'm making quotation marks. (laughs) (laughs) More real stuff or to get to the essence of the truth, which is the wild, unexpected, weird world that we inhabit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have just banal days of just normal working and nothing happens. And sometimes amazing things or terrible things happen all at once. Yeah. So... Um, in issue two, we have our five main characters. We have a couple of returning faces. Mm-hmm. I love Gail. I loved writing her yeah, so much. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she made like the biggest bomb in issue one. It's like, I loved it. I just yeah. love, I love writing her. She's like, I write her like this super smart, amazing girl. Because mm-hmm. I like strong girls. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? <laughs> Netflix always asks me, do you want to see shows with a strong female lead? I'm like, bitch, you don't know me. <laughs> uh, we introduce also four new uh, four new performers who play characters. Seth Knight, who's based here in New York, he plays a quick cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be returning later in the series. I didn't I didn't find a problem including his character in one issue as one role and then occurring in another issue as another role because I've watched a lot of American Horror Story. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after, after seeing Sarah Paulson going through like 50 costume changes, like, yeah, you like, know what? It. If they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. We have J.D. Daniels based in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We have um, Draven Torres. So he's stepped back for a little bit, but he's still wonderful, great guy. He mm-hmm. gets to play 10, uh, our, our cover our cover. Antagonist. So there's okay. a big surprise at the end that I need to. Well, I, hopefully it like gets you hooked. Yeah. Because I pay real. I actually pay. There's a lot of structure that goes just in each page. Mm-hmm. So part of movie making writing is that you grab the audience by the balls and you pull them along mm-hmm. <laughs> each page of the way, whether it's exciting, whether it's mysterious, whether it's compelling, something you, you, um, the best writing pays attention in the whole context of the work and literally from page to page. So uh, when I had to take over a lot of the duties, I did the lettering for issue two. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, um, all the lettering you see, I did. I had to learn in design. Wow. So I'm obsessing over small details, like literally moving balloons and words over like a thousandth of an inch. Yeah. <laughs> I love in design. Oh, my God. It's the... I wish I discovered it years ago. It yeah. is, um, I was using a rock and chisel before. <laughs> it was such a glorious discovery. Yeah. So um, in issue two, we summarize what's happened to the characters since then, and we find out why they've been called to this place under mysterious circumstances, and we get our answer for why 
um, Rent Boy was targeted. Mm. And the characters have to make big decisions because, unfortunately, a lot of sex workers make decisions that leave them vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like um, when we were at the Dude Crim meeting a few yes. weeks ago, I was surprised to learn that it was a Class B felony to offer support to a known sex worker. So if, uh, for example, let's say a landlord finds out that there's a worker living in their apartment building, they could get slapped with a felony for knowingly having that tenant. Mm. So that's why they kick them out. Mm -hmm. So homelessness, loss of housing is a very real threat to a lot of workers. Wow. I I came in late. I must have missed that part. So... Um, so I stuck, so while the characters are in, in a fictional story, all their motivations are real. Like one character decides to participate in the future events because he's being kicked out because somebody tipped off the landlord and Mm -hmm. got him kicked out of his house. Mm -hmm. So he's acting because if I, if he doesn't act, he may never be able to get another apartment again. Right. So that's a very visceral thing. Uh, Another character, um, uh, whether you agree with it or not, there's uh, sometimes there's drug sales. Mm-hmm. We know when pot was sold, cocaine, steroids. So that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're caught. And I've known a few professionals who were caught and did time and had those uh, ankle bracelets and curfews wow. uh, to be home under house arrest. Wow. So they were just trying to make a little side hustle mm-hmm. because they're already doing something that is um, in the legal gray area. Mm-hmm. And they got caught. And once they got caught, they were fucked. Right. So characters acting like, I got caught, I got to do something so I don't go to jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So while they may do um, amazing, unbelievable things, all their motivations and thoughts and goals are based in the experiences and needs of real workers that I know personally and who have shared their stories with me. My goal is to never overshadow the people and their viewpoints with whatever amazing thing is going on. Uh, the stories of the people come first. Cool. Am I going to be a, a podcaster in well, issue three? Well, I'm, <laughs> you, you don't appear until issue four. Okay. Um, I wrote you in a really cool role, but as we got closer, and my writing changed, as I said earlier. The writing changed as current events came in, yeah. as more perspectives came in, as I had some time to think about a dialogue that was authentic because mm-hmm. originally I wrote it from an angry reactionist perspective and people should be angry and it should inform their power to persist against forces that are taking away their rights or making them unsafe. And I realized in order to reach people and have them understand what I think was the priority, it was to uh, look past the initial anger and defiance and go down to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a character's pissed off, fine, but why is he pissed off? Um, he's going to lose his home. And there are other people making decisions for him that are putting his life in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And he feels out of control. So this isn't just pissed and angry. This is someone scared for not having a place to live. So I focused on that. You can be still angry and funny and pissy and punkish, but... I had to always keep sight of what they were really feeling and the real uh, real needs that they had yeah. and not just make it, what's the word, cardboard, um, pantomime, uh, melodramatic, 
Yeah, I think you did a really good job with the character development. Like, they're all, you know, multidimensional. Is there a character that stood out to you? Um, the, uh, is his name Storm? Yes. Yeah. I think it's interesting because he's, uh, you know, has a wife and kid. And uh, that's an interesting perspective to show. That's definitely uh, not someone I know. <laughs> well, um, Storm... Um, there were a few challenges and I see some challenges that I've been able to work through in future work. Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep him as, well, I wanted to keep him as a real person. So I wanted to, I wanted to keep him as a real person above all. So you'll have to read the series to find out. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, quick question. How did you always like, I, I always wonder like, when did you know you could draw? Because I suck at drawing. I'm like. How much did you put into like progressing your art? Well, to clarify, I am not doing the drawing for the series. Okay. I am doing the writing. Ah. I'm doing all the logistics behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I am getting all the legal forms. Ah, I'm okay. finding the money to pay the artist because art is very difficult. Mm -hmm. It is very time consuming and they need money to live yeah. and a fair and a fair wage. Yeah. So my skills lie in reaching an audience, taking the story getting it made, mm -hmm. and making sure everybody gets what they need. Awesome. So that's my specific skill set. Yeah. I, nice. I, I draw personally, but not nearly as good as the artists who I'm working with. Okay. Uh, the art is amazing. Yes. Dave did a great job. So uh, just, as, just as a shout out, I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but in issue two, um, Dave did most of the line work. Mm -hmm. um, and a new artist named Byron Powers out of the UK did most of the coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an artist in Coney Island named Pup Tut mm -hmm. um, finished the rest of the inking. So I wanted to give a shout out to them for thank you for really picking up the pieces uh, when I needed help. Love them. Want to keep working with them. And all the artists and all the Kickstarter fans and everyone since who's shown support. I want to say thank you like right now. Thank you so much for helping make this happen. And I want you to reach out and talk to me about it because I'm making this for you. And um, and your friends and people you just want to freak out because I love freaking people out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug before we wrap? Um, there will be a Queers in Comics convention May 16th, 17th, and 18th at SUNY College in New York. If you ever wanted to know anything about GLBT representation in comics, that's the place to go. I will be on a panel talking about sex workers represented in comics. It's really fun. It's a special event. Only happens every couple of years. What's your What's your handle? Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's BrianKnight66. On Facebook, it's Brian.Knights.NYC. Okay, awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Brian, for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe mostly anywhere that you can get podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you really enjoy the show, please leave a comment wherever you listen. It's a great way to help us get discovered by more people who don't know about us. Um, you can also listen from our website, www.sexwork.com. That's S-E-X-W-E-R-R-R-K. That's three R's. And also be sure to follow our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at at sexwork. That's S-E-X-W-E-R-R-R-K. That's three R's. See you next week. Hashtag tip your go-go. Tip your go-go. <laughs> <laughs>